0: You have your Bibles tonight. We're turning to the book of Mark, the eighth chapter of the book of Mark, Mark chapter number eight. I want to begin reading in the twenty-second verse tonight, Mark eight twenty-two. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him. And besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. We'll leave off reading right there. Mark chapter 8 verses 22 through 26 if correctly read. From these verses I believe the Lord would have us preach on this thought. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Preacher Darren, you're already saved. Your eyes are open. Open my eyes. I need to see more clearly. Father, would you help me then to rightly divide the word of truth tonight. Give us help, I pray, that only the Spirit of God can give witness and testimony to. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There is a Pianist, His name was George Shearing. He was blind from his birth, and he composed more than 300 pieces of music. He toured continually throughout his long career, and oftentimes you would see him out and about in the downtown areas of his city that he lived in. He was navigating the crowded sidewalks with his dark glasses and a white cane. And one time he was standing at a busy intersection during rush hour and he was waiting for someone that might help him to cross the street when finally somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, excuse me, sir, but would you mind helping a blind man across the street? Shearing was about to tell the other man that he too was blind, but he thought, why not give it a go? (laughs) So he said, certainly my friend, just take my arm and they set off together across the intersection, the blind leading the blind. And as they crossed the street they heard tires squealing, horns blaring, angry voices of very angry drivers, but they made it safely to the other side. Amen. I wouldn't advise that. But sometimes you have to be careful that you Don't have the blind leading the blind. And I don't tonight, don't want to be up here trying to be the blind man leading the blind. In this text, we're introduced to a blind man. And he is about to experience a thrill far greater than crossing a busy intersection with blinded eyes. He's about to open his eyes and see Jesus standing right before him. I want to say three things tonight, and we'll be done. When I look at this text, number one, I see how the Lord received him. Now the Bible says in verse 22 that Jesus cometh to Bethsaida. That means the house of fish. When he gets there, they bring a blind man to Jesus. Certainly the blind man couldn't get to Jesus by himself. He needed help. But praise God, there was someone, a man who cared enough to make sure that the, the blind man was brought to Jesus. May I say, thank God that somebody cared enough to get me, the blind man, to Jesus. That I might hear the gospel and that I might get saved. The Bible says in John six thirty seven, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. When I was blind and could not see, just like you, at one time or another you were blind Physically blind, could not see. Spiritually blind, could not see. But thank God that got you to Jesus. And now you can see spiritually. And guess what? When he got there, they said, Lord, we want you to touch him. Notice with me. They did not say we want you to heal him. They said we want you to touch him. I believe that they knew enough or had enough faith in his touch that his touch was a healing agent. Amen? Amen. He was able by the touch to heal. So we see how the Lord received him. Say amen tonight if the Lord has received you. Number two, I want us to see how the Lord removed him. This is very strange in verse 23. The Bible says, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Interesting to me tonight. So before he healed him, he takes that blind man. They've just obviously brought the blind man to Jesus in Bethsaida and now Jesus takes the man by the arms, by the hands and he leads him right back out of the town. Now I think about it, this touch of Jesus. Tonight I got here to the one-way program and I couldn't tell you how many people tonight I said hello to and shook hands with. And I begin to think about how that we need that touch. I remember back when COVID was so bad and it was killing me not to shake hands with people. That's just the Baptist thing to do. That's the welcoming thing to do. And, and there's just something about the fellowshipping and connecting with someone it, uh, in, a, in an unthreatening, in a, in a very comfortable manner to welcome people to the house of God. It's, it's almost like saying as you shake their hand, hey, it's good to meet you, good to have you, I care about you. When Jesus, glory to God, took him by the hand, he was saying, come with me, I care about you. I started looking back through the book of Mark that we studied so far about the times that Jesus took people by the hand. I remember there in Mark chapter one, I believe it was verse 31, uh, that he went to Simon Peter's house and Simon Peter's mother-in-law lay sick of a fever and guess what he did? He took her by the hand and lifted her up And immediately the fever left her. It was as if he lifted her above that fever and out of it. He's in the lifting business, amen. I'm glad, thank God, there's been a time in my life that Jesus took me by the hand and led me from my depravity, led me from my lost condition to a place of salvation. I think then about Mark chapter five and verse 41 about how Jesus went to Jairus' house where lay Jairus' daughter, 12 years old, dead. And the Bible says that Jesus said, she's not dead, but sleepeth. And he took her by the hand and said, Talitha kumai, that means daughter, I say unto thee, arise. And he lifted her out of death's clutches. Hey, thank God tonight, Jesus has the ability to touch us and to help us. Oh, tonight, how I need a fresh touch from Jesus, amen? I remember some years ago, right now my mother-in-law's in the hospital at Party Hospital. And some years ago, I had gone to the Party Hospital and, and I'd worked all day at, at my job and I went and put my necktie on and took off to the hospital and where I parked, I always went in the back way and I got on the elevator of the back way so it's easier to get to the patient's rooms. And as I come through, you're kind of going around where the emergency room was at the time and I seen a lady standing there And I I looked at her. She said, preacher. And she kind of reached out. She was holding an an infant. And she kind of reached out. And so rather than make the right turn I needed to make, I made a left turn to where she was in the mercy room. And I said, yes, ma'am. She recognized I was the preacher because I I took enough time to wear a tie. A lot of times we preachers don't want to wear a tie anymore. But I took enough time to wear it. She recognized me as the man of God preacher. I came over to where she was. She said, would you please pray for me? I said, what is it, ma'am? She leaned the infant out. The infant had been attacked by a dog. You could see the bite on its neck, and the blood was just streaming down her. Man, I just took her by the hand and started praying, her free hand, and just praying with her until the nurses and the doctors came out in the nurse and said, let's go now, and they took them away from me. Honey, I just want to tell you, there's just something about touch of the hand that gives us a connection One to another that says, I care, amen. Now, Jesus is removing him. He's saying, I care. He takes him, and the Bible says he leads him out of the town. Uh, A couple things about this. I think he's taken him away from the crowd. He had ministered earlier in the city of Bethsaida. He's been in that city before. He's done many, many miracles in Bethsaida. Uh, They knew who Jesus was. They've seen his power. They've seen his works there. But now, rather than going into that town where he's done so many works, he leads them out of town. And I started thinking about that. And in the book of Matthew, if you would turn there, back to chapter number 11, I believe it is. Matthew chapter number 11. I want to read a specific verse that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 11. I want to look in verse 21 Matthew 11, verse 21. Why was Jesus leading this man out of town? Why was he leading him away from the crowd? Matthew eleven twenty one. 21. Jesus said, Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. There's your city right there. For if the mighty works were done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, that's where the Gentiles live, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. You see what's happened, Bethsaida, though they've known Jesus and he's done so many wonderful works of miracles and healings and preaching and souls being saved, they've said, get out. We've, they've rejected him. And rather than lead this man back into town and do another miracle before their eyes because they've rejected him, he leads the man away from the town. He leads the man away from the crowds so he can go to a place where he can deal with him one-on-one. May I say tonight that there have been times in my own personal life where I believe the Lord has taken me by the spiritual hand and has removed me from the crowds to put me alone just with Him. There have been times where I've been in the heat of a moment, a lot of demands, a lot of things that was laid on me, and God led me right away right away from it, right around. Let me say this to you tonight. The crowd will control you if they can. They want to control how, when, what, and where you minister. Let me just tell you this tonight. Love them and leave them. Our problem is, amen, we fear people more than we fear God. Talk about that party hospital one time. I've gone back to the party hospital. I've gone up to visit somebody, necktie on after work. Gone up there to visit. When I finished visiting, I got back in my car and God said, now I want you to go back. Lord, why? He said, you went up there in your name. You went up there because that was your duty. You went up there because you thought they'd be sore at you if you didn't show up. Now you go back in my name and you tell them the first time you came you didn't come in my name, you came in the name of the preacher. You came in the name of the church but I sent you to go in my name. What'd you do, Preacher. I swallowed real hard and repeated before God and went back in the back way of that hospital, got on the elevator, went up, and walked back in that, knocked on the door, and said, can I come in? They said, preacher, are you back? Did you forget something? You, I said, yes, I did. I came up here, but I came up here in my name, and I came up here to visit you because that was my responsibility. I came up here to visit you because that was my duty, but I was supposed to come up here in Jesus' name. Well, preacher, you prayed in Jesus' name. I said, I know I did. But the Holy Ghost said I had to come back. And I'm telling you, you ought to examine why you do what you do. A lot of times you do what you do because you fear people. But honey, I want to do what I do because I fear God. Amen. I want to fear God. Amen. We want to please people. And the only, listen, we, I, I have spent so much time in my life trying to please people. And it's absolutely driven me nuts So. Trying to please people. But I need to learn to please God. He is the one that matters. There, Listen, there are people that expect more of you than they expect of God. They'll demand more of you than they would demand from God. And if you're going to see God work in your life, you've got to get away at times from the controlling crowd and get alone with Jesus. Just let him take you by the hand and lead you to that place where it's just you and he working together. Not only did he take, him, take this man from the crowd, but I think he took this man from his comfort zone. Many years ago, we had a blind man here in our church, was a good friend of mine, a good brother in Christ. His family's still here, Brother Junior Burleson. And Brother Junior would make tapes oftentimes. He played the bass guitar in this church, and he'd make tapes. And and, and, and I'd go over there to visit from time to time. And, man, he, he knew how many steps it was from here to here. He's blind. He knew how many steps it was from here to here, how many steps. When he came to our church, he knew how many steps it was from where they parked to where he got into the sound booth back here. He told me all of this. That was his comfort zone. That's the only way he could operate was because he knew how many steps he was. This man, no doubt in his life, he knew how many steps it was in the town. He knew right probably where he was by the sounds that he heard and the number of steps that he took. But a man named Jesus got him and took him by the hand and led him out of town away from the controlling crowd and away from his comfort zone. Have you ever had Jesus to to lead you from your comfort zone. Well, it started at salvation. (laughs) I left the comfort zone of my pew and got on my face in the middle of that aisle way that night and he saved me there. That was not comfortable till he did it, amen. And man, there's been many times he's got me out of my comfort zone. And glory to God, I would challenge you, get alone with God and get out of your comfort zone and get into a place where the Lord leads you to, amen. Now, Preacher Darren, we've always done it this way. That's what we're comfortable with. Listen, this man that probably he could need no help, he would get out of town, do things on his own, but now that he's out of his comfort zone, he's going to have to really depend on the man that's got him by the hand. You're going to have to really depend on the Lord Jesus Christ because you can't do this thing by yourself. Woo. you're going to have to trust the one who's leading you. You're going to have to trust the one who is with you. Court of God, what a blessing it is tonight. Jesus in my life has led me into places where I felt like I didn't have a friend. And all that, you say, how dare you say that? Have you ever been there? Where you feel like I don't have a friend. I, if I call somebody and tell them what I'm going through, they're going to get in the mud hole with me and I can't even tell them. And you just get out of your comfort zone and there you just depend on him. You just trust him and you love him as your shepherd like you've never loved him before. Maybe there's some might not, preacher, and I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe there's been some friends. It's no longer your friends. Maybe there's maybe there's been a breakup in your family. Maybe there's been a death. I'm telling you, I'm talking. Then you've had a change of job, a change of scenery. A boyfriend, girlfriend. Somebody's walked out of your life. And tonight you're out of your comfort zone. Maybe you're You're visiting here tonight. And you're on your you're out of your comfort zone. But honey, you're in the house of God. Let him lay his hand on you and lead you and guide you to a better place. Amen. He has certainly received him and he has removed him. When I look at verse 23 again, I'm thinking about how the Lord restored him. Now, look closely with me at how the Lord restored this man that was blind. It starts with middle of verse 23, and when he had spit upon his eyes. The Lord restored him. These are gonna start with the letter S. He restored him with, Spit. (laughs) The first thing Jesus did was spit on his eyes. Underline that in my Bible. didn't spit on the ground like he's done for other blind men. He spit directly on his eyes. I'm just imagining this man is uh, blind. I'm imagining that his eyes are diseased. I'm imagining that his eyes are crusted over. And Jesus just got him by the arm there, by the hand, and he turns and... (sighs) Spits right on his eyes. Preacher Darren, that's disgusting. Human saliva is filled with deadly germs. Honey, Jesus, when he spits, it's the spit of deity. He is God. Did you know from your spit, from your saliva, we could find your DNA, who you are, who your people are, or, or who, listen, where they're from. We can know a lot of things about you from your DNA. Jesus is the son of God from heaven. When he spits amen, glory to God, that's the essence of God that's just been applied to the blindness of your situation. You're in darkness and he is light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And he has just given you the essence of who God is. (laughs) Hallelujah. Jesus put his hands on Look with me, verse 23. After he spit on him, he put his hands on him, and I don't find this anywhere else in the Bible. He asked him if he saw aught. Nowhere else. Listen, when he raised the dead man, he didn't look at the dead man and say, are you alive? He didn't say to the deaf man, can you hear? He didn't say to the other blind men, can you see? But to this one, it's the only one, after he healed him, He said, what do you see? He's restoring him with spit. He's also restoring him in stages. The blind man's answer in verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now I've heard preachers take off with this verse and talk about You know how the trees there in Psalm chapter 1, the righteous man's a tree planted by the waters? Hey, that's all well and good, but that's not what the Lord is talking about, that he's seeing righteous men standing as a tree by the waters. He said, I see men as trees walking. You know what that means to me? First of all, this man's not always been blind. He knew what a tree was. He knew what it was for a man to walk. So obviously, at one time in his life, he had sight. Something has happened. He's lost his sight. The next, verse, or the next verse even speaks about how he was restored. You see that? How he was restored. So he's not always been blind. He knew what trees were. He knew what men were. So he says, I see men as trees walking. He now sees partially. He sees shapes. He sees uh, objects. He's discerning light. Amen. Amen. But he could not see clearly. Well, oh, Preacher Darren, I have a question. Why could this man not see clearly? Does this partial healing suggest that Jesus' healing powers were failing? Has he had a hard day? Has he not got as much power dealing with this one as he does with others? Oh no, honey, you couldn't be any further from the truth. He's God. He never fails. Amen. There's a reason. A reason that this has been done in stages. This man is seeing things in distortion. Amen. Yes, he saw, but he didn't see as good as he wanted to see. In other words, I see, but I'm not where I want to be. Now, I'm not where I need to be. But thank God, he's not where he used to be. It's it's not clear. But at least I see. So Jesus is healing him in stages. Uh, to me, there is something to be said then for better. May I say this tonight? I remember some years ago I had COVID. Man, I was so very, very sick. And and, and the Lord touched me. And he helped me. And, and I, my breathing, I mean, it was bad. And, and and sometimes my breathing goes quick. I try to practice with these boys for basketball. And I can't do preachers because you're getting older. It's also because of that COVID thing. And I'm telling you, it's really shortened, shallowed my breath out quite a bit. Sometimes after I preach, I'm completely exhausted. Didn't used to be that way. It's just because you're older. It's because COVID. And I'm telling you, the Lord healed me. I can tell you the night he came by between 12 and 2 o'clock in the morning, Preacher, what t- exactly when did he come by? Between 12 and 2, all of it. He was there with me, closer than he's ever been. He healed me of it. Now I'm starting to recover. I'm not in pain anymore, but I'm not perfectly healed. I'm not able. I was partially, I, I'm, I was better than I was before. Now, hallelujah. I was improved. I was better. I was not where I wanted to be but I'm better than I used to be. Amen. May I say this tonight about I believe my walk with the Lord. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not all that I need to be. But praise God, I'm better than I used to be. (laughs) Can I get a witness on that? And I'll just say this, the Lord, just like this blind man, is working on me in stages. Notice the title of the message was "What, what Was about me. Lord, open my eyes. It, it, this message is to me tonight. Lord, you're working in my life, partially, progressively, working in my life to help me to see perfectly one day. Amen. Now, I see also that there is a second touch. He's restoring him by spit. He's restoring him by stages. He's restoring him by a second touch. Well, preacher Darren, there's churches that have the doctrine of the second touch. I'm, I'm not one of them. When he saved me, he gave me everything I needed tonight. He saved me. Amen. I didn't need that. But now I want to see better than I see now. Now, watch with me, verse 25. After that, after what? After this man said, I see men trees walking. He said, after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and he saw every man clearly. Jesus touches him again. And this time he sees perfectly clear. Now, I begin to think about this tonight. Jesus could have healed this man with a thought. Jesus could have healed this man with a word. Jesus could have healed this man just by touching him. But he chose to spit on him. He chose to touch him. And he chose to do it in stages. Preacher Darren, why? He's teaching his disciples. Look with me. Go all the way back to Mark chapter 7 and verse 31. There are two miracles that I found in the book of Mark that are not in Matthew, Luke, or John. Only two. And Mark chapter 7 is one of them. Verses 31 through 37, we see a man that was deaf with an impediment in his speech And the Lord, the Bible says in verse 33, that he took him aside from the multitude. You see that? Sound familiar? Put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. That miracle is not recorded anywhere else other than Mark's gospel about the deaf man. And then we came to where we read tonight about the blind man. And again, Jesus took him aside, away from the multitudes, and he spit on his eyes, and he touched him a second time. Preacher, what is that about? You have your Bible with you. Look with me in verse 14 of chapter 8. He's doing this to teach his disciples. His disciples have a spiritual condition. They're not seeing clearly. They have... Spiritual dullness. Verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them saying, take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we've taken or we have no bread. Jesus is not trying to get on to them about baking lessons. Jesus is not getting on to them about the fact that they didn't buy any bread and, and that they should always avoid the bread of the Pharisees. That's not what he's saying. And the disciples heard what he said. They saw the miracles of feeding 5,000 Jews and 4,000 Gentiles and they still didn't get it. Verse 17, when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not... Neither understand, have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? Speaks to the blind man. Having ears, hear ye not? Speaks to the deaf man. Do you not remember when I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up, they say unto him, 12? And when the seven among 4,000, How many baskets full of fragments took you up? They said seven. And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? Jesus with this miracle of the blind man and the previous miracle of the deaf man being wedged around this scene is allowing this second touch situation to apply this to the spiritual condition of the disciples. Jesus has called them from fisher boats and and called them from the office of publicans and he said to them, follow me. And he has basically spit in their eyes and allowed them to see. But they just could not comprehend fully who Jesus is. They only saw men as trees walking. Their calling has been in stages. It's not gonna be until after Jesus is crucified Buried and risen again. That their eyes are really going to be open And they see clearly that Jesus is who he says he is. That is the Lord's goal for every one of his children. We had a blind condition before he saved us. He took us by the hand. Amen. And saved our sin sick souls. Amen. But though we see... We do not see clearly. When I got saved, I had no idea all that He gave me. And now that I've been saved all these years, I still don't have any idea of all He's done for me. I'm starting to lay an understanding on it, but it's just a tip of the iceberg if I could say that. Paul said it like this. We see through a glass darkly. I don't care how spiritual you pretend to be tonight. The truth of the matter is You see men as trees walking because you're seeing through a glass darkly. We don't understand everything. We don't even know what to pray for or how to pray for situations as we should. But when we spend time in his word and when we spend time praying, amen, he starts developing our spiritual sight. And with God, spiritual sight is about vision. Not looking back, amen, but looking forward, amen, and walking with God, having a vision where there is no vision. The people perish and Jesus is trying to teach his disciples about having a vision and seeing clearly so that men and women might hear the gospel being preached and that they might get saved. Church, we need a vision, church. We need to get on our knees and say, Oh God, it is true what the preacher has said. I sit here and I hear and I nod my head and I'm trying to get understanding. But there's so many things I'm seeing through a glass darkly. So many things I hear and I don't understand exactly what's going on. Hey, Lord, I need you one more time to put your hand on my eyes. I need you one more time to spit on my eyes. I need you to touch my tongue. Put your finger in my ears. Help me to hear, Lord, I need you tonight. May I just say this in closing? I have a few responsibilities in life and I find myself incapable of handling it. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good daddy. I don't know anything about preaching or leading a church or a school. What on earth am I gonna do, y'all? If I don't get a second touch from God... What on earth am I going to do? I'll be of men most miserable. I'm just a child. I don't know how to go out and I don't know how to come in. I'm just going to say openly, God, open my eyes. I see men as trees walking. Help me tonight, God. You stand on your feet. I'm done. I got to pray. I need God to lead me. I need God to guide me. I need God to direct me and I cannot do it on my own. Oh, God, help me tonight. Oh, God. Fathers, I bow my head. Lord, I want to tell you, I want to thank you for saving me. And I want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you've given us, God, to stand before this congregation and try to read a portion of your word and share what you've laid on my heart. But God, if you don't lead me, and if you don't guide me, and you don't direct me, Lord, I'll be the blind man leading the blind across the street into terrible, terrible peril. God, I pray tonight, Father, would you be willing, Father, to let Jesus put his hand on me? Spit on my eyes, God. It's not disgusting to me. I want who you are in my life. I need the essence of God working in my life. God, I need it in this church, God. Breathe life in her, God. Lay your hand on her, God. God. Help us, God, to not just see ministries walking, but God, help us to have an understanding that men and women are needing salvation. And God, we must go forward and share the gospel. We must live a clean testimony before them, God. Help us, Lord, I pray. Open to us the pages of the Word of God. Touch our eyes, touch our ears. All faith cometh by hearing hearing by the Word of God. Father, we need you. We want you so desperately. Oh, God, would you find you within your being, Father, to lay your hand upon me one more time and give me, Father, favor, blessing, leadership, guidance, direction. God, I need it so desperately, God. I don't want to see just partially. God, I want to learn to see progressively. And one day, perfectly, I'll see Jesus. Help us, God, as a pastor. Help us, God, as a daddy. Help us, God, as a grandpa. Help us, God, as a husband. Help us, God, I pray, as a man of God, to lead and guide. And for this, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.